All right, so welcome and thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad you joined us in online. You called us in week two of our new series called Theology Matters. Now, if you missed last week, I, I really encourage you to go go back. You're on our YouTube website. Go back, catch Pastor Joseph as he really, he introduced this brand new idea in terms of salvation. I shouldn't say brand new, but he introduced a thought to us about progressive salvation, that is salvation in a, a process, salvation continuing to grow and to mature. And so, so I'm going to kind of continue that thought process today. And, and, and I say that because when you see me, here's what you see. You see this adult man, uh, soon to be 60-year-old man, and, and, and with that uh, comes 44 years of following Jesus, and, and I know a lot, not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but when people see me now without any context about what I was or who I was or even how long I've been a believer, you just see me as I am, and, 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 and there's a lot of, of, of thought process. There's a lot of growth, and again, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes, uh, but you see me as I am. Now, if you rewind the tape, and, and if you look back into my life, there's been times that, that I didn't have right theology. There are times that, that, that Satan deceived me. Satan's a big liar. Uh, he's the father of lies. He's a deceiver. And he wants to convince us uh, of things that are not uh, right. He wants to deceive us and trick us. And so there were times when I was younger uh, that I simply didn't know or didn't understand. And so in this idea of, of growth in salvation... As, as Pastor Joseph was talking about last week, i just be honest with you, as I always am, I'm honest, but let me be transparent that, that I hit some serious walls in my life. My, the first wall that I hit in my growth process uh, was, was when I was about 22. You know, I was about 16 when I accepted Jesus, and, and so when I was about 22, I felt like I was called into ministry, had been on that track for several years now, and, and unfortunately, I was doing wrong things. Meaning that I was sinning. If you were in the church, I had sin in my life, and I struggled with that sin, and so. I hit this wall, and, and I remember because, because Satan had convinced me that I was useless to God, that I was worthless to God, and that how in the world could I be a believer because I was doing uh, these things. And I hit this wall, and I really, I cried out to God about my self-worth and my self-value and my self-esteem. So I kind of navigated through that wall, and, and, and then a couple of years later, when I was 26 years old, my father died. And when my father died, I stepped away from, from this vocational ministry, if you want to call it that. And, and when I did, I hit another wall because, once again, I started doing things that were not right that God would easily call sin. And, and it's not that I, I had guilt. Certainly I had guilt. I mean, guilt's not a bad thing. But what I had was shame. And there's a huge difference between guilt and shame. And Satan convinced me yet again that I was worthless, that I was useless, 
And that I had no value to the kingdom of God. And how could I be a believer? And how could you even approach God? And I had great shame in my life. And I grew through that process. And here's what I learned both times. And I'm still learning it. (laughs) Forty some odd years later. I'm still learning what this is all about. And here's the idea. That living by faith is doing good things. Because I am in the right position. Let me, let me say this again. Living by faith, I'm talking about salvation. And I'm talking about uh, for those of us who are believers as we continue in our growth process. And so in that growth process, living by faith, which is what we're doing, is doing good things, meaning I do good things because I am in the right position. The law... That is, if, if I think about I have to do this and I have to do that, or if you even go back to the Old Testament, the law, observing the law is doing good things, trying to get in the right position. You see that subtle difference? Let me go back. Living by faith is doing good things because I'm in the right position. Observing the law is doing good things, trying to get into the right position. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. But but I just want to say, hey, you know, I, I shared that I hit some walls and you know, maybe you hit some walls too. And I'm hoping that today that, that we can we can grow through this process and we can learn the difference between living by faith and attempting to do good works. Now as I'm working through this, and, and, and this began as, as we sit down, Pastor Clay and Pastor Joseph and myself, when we sit down and we begin to work this series, the original title of this series was Salvation Old Testament versus Salvation New Testament. And so as it kind of landed into my lap, I began to work on it and think through it and process through it. And, and I really would like to share with you, I don't know, about... A hundred plus verses. Now, the reality is we don't have near the time in our discussion to talk about the, all these verses. And so what I'd love for you to do is to scan this QR code right now. Grab this code, uh, scan it, take a screenshot if you happen to be on your phone. Uh, if you're not, pause it, go get your phone, come back, scan it. Scan it, grab these notes so you can see all the scriptures. The point is... I want you to see all the scriptures. I want you to have all the references. I want you to be able to go back and look at all this because this is going to be really crucial to understand this idea of why we do the good things that we do and what is the motivation behind that. So I'm going to pick up Paul as a church planner, and, and Paul is writing to a church in uh, Galatian, uh, Galatia, excuse me, and they are therefore Galatians, and so we have a New Testament uh, book of the Bible called Galatians, and so that's a church that Paul had planted. He started, and then he moved on to another location, and he's writing a letter back. And these people hit such a wall. I hit a wall, and I know you hit walls in your faith with Jesus. We hit them. We're going to be there. These people, as a whole church, hit a wall, and Paul's writing back to them to try to help them navigate 
through this process of where they are in their relationship with Jesus and why they do the things that they do. So let me catch back up. We're in Galatians 3. I'm gonna, all morning long, we're going to be in the New International Version all day long. And um, we're going to be in chapter 3. Now, there's going to be lots of ellipses as I'm uh, walking through these verses because there's so many. Uh, but I just want to share all these with you because I think they're going to help us to understand this idea of what motivates us to do the good things that we do so that we can live the full and meaningful life that Jesus wants us to live. So let's pick back right here, Galatians chapter 3. And he simply writes, who has cast an evil spell on you? Now, two seconds right here. This is, I believe in my heart, this is Satan. And Satan has deceived all these people. He's told them a lie. And, that, and that's what he's saying. What evil spell, I believe he's, this is a direct reference to the deceiver Satan himself. And he's cast an evil spell. For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. And then he asks this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. And what's he saying? He said, listen, did you come to a point in your life where, where you became a believer of Jesus, where you accepted Jesus, but where you received the Holy Spirit? Did you do good things? Did you do good things to get there? And he says, of course not. And he, and he says, you received the Spirit because you believed in the message you heard about Christ. It wasn't by works, but it was by belief. All right, and so this is the, the initial point of salvation. You believed at the beginning, and for all of us, it's the same way. How do we become a follower of Jesus? We believe. How do we become a Christian? It's the same thing. Being a Christian is being a follower of Jesus. We believed. We didn't get there by working. We didn't get there by doing good things. We arrived by belief. And so... He goes on to say, after starting your new lives in the Spirit, that is believing, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? See what's going on? He begins to address the problem. And the problem is they have this idea, it's a deception by Satan, that we need to do good things as believers in order to get into right relationship with God. And I want to tell you today that that is a lie from the pit of hell. We do not have to do good things to get into right relationship with God. And this is what he's saying. Are you now trying to become perfect, trying to get into good relationship with God by your own human efforts? Does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Yeah, just asking a rhetorical question to him. Is God doing all these amazing things simply because you are working? And so therefore you are earning these miracles in your life? That you are earning the Holy Spirit in your life? Of course not. Of course not. It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. It's all about belief. And he goes on to say, when people work, 
Paul writing to a church in Rome, and he's saying the same thing. And he says, when people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. Now, this is huge. Because remember those hundred plus verses was Galatians chapter 3 is part of Galatians chapter 4. It's Romans chapter 3 and part of Romans chapter 4. All those verses. And, and so I wanted to pull this out and show you this. This is very clear. When people work, their wages are not a gift. I mean, listen. Do you look at your employer and you go, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you that, that you gave me this money. Thank you because you are so gracious you gave me this money. No. Now, you may be thankful that they gave you a job, but you earned the money because you did the hard work. And you know that because you did the hard work, you're going to receive that wage back. You're going to receive that. And when it comes to following Jesus, that's not the way it is. And when it becomes staying and being in relationship with God, that's not the way it is. Because being in relationship to God is a gift from God, not based on works. Let's move on back into Galatians. So he said, in the same way, here's the Old Testament way. Abraham believed God and God counted to him as righteous because of his faith. Now, here's what's going on. The believers in Galatia were predominantly Jewish in their background. And they understood the law, and they understood Abraham. And for many of us as believers, we understand there's a law, and we understand Abraham. And somewhere along the way, we've been convinced that the Old Testament way to salvation is by works, by fulfilling the law. And that's not true. The Old Testament way of salvation has always been by grace, through faith. And listen up, and I'll prove my point out. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteous because of his beliefs. So what did he do? God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said all nations will be blessed through you. There's a passage, in, uh, and by the way, that's in, uh, this is all in Genesis chapter 15. All nations will be blessed through you so that all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. What does that mean? That means Abraham had faith, he was blessed, and all nations would be blessed through him, meaning that they would have this faith. And so when we have faith, we are like Abraham, who's blessed by faith, not by works. Those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. Whoa. What does that mean? For the scripture says, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all. You know, I like that word, all. Uh, I was in a church one time, and they had this phrase that everybody knew, all means all, and that's all that all means. It was kind of cheesy, I know. But, but it, in order to live by the law, you got to Live all the laws. You can't just like mess up on one and, and keep all the other 613, right? It doesn't work like that because you're, you become cursed because at some point you've broken the law. Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in the 
God's book of the law. So you're cursed by that. So why was the law there? If you're cursed by living by the law and you're supposed to live by the law, that was the Mosaic covenant, and you're supposed to live by the law, then how are you supposed to live? Well, Paul answers that question. This is what I'm trying to say. The agreement God made with Abraham cannot be canceled 430 years later. So what happens is God makes this agreement. He tells Abraham, hey, you're going to be blessed because of your faith. You're going to be blessed all the nations. 430 years later, the, the, Israel, the Israelis are, are put into, they are released from captivity and in the Exodus. And they uh, now get the law, the, what's called the Mosaic Covenant, enters into the picture. But the Mosaic Covenant does not cancel out the Abrahamic Covenant. Why? Because when God gave the law to Moses, God would be breaking his promise if it did. So here's what happened. God blessed Abraham because of his faith. 430 years later, God gives the law through Moses. And if living by the law put one in right relationship with God, then that would break the Abraham, what God promised to Abraham and all who follow after him. Ah, isn't that interesting? For the, if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would not be the result of accepting God's promise, but God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. You see, it's a gift. It's a gift that one receives. God extends it out. We receive it in. We don't work for it. We don't earn it. It's a gift of promise. So then why then the law was given? I think that's a great question. I was about to ask it. Paul asked it first. Why was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. So here's the deal. If you go all the way back to Genesis, there is a verse in Genesis that talks about the coming of one who would defeat Satan. And that was Jesus. And so the Abraham, the promise given to Abraham was based on the coming of the Messiah, the one they look forward to, the Old Testament was given to show people our sins. That's all the law does, show people sins. But it was still directed toward the Messiah to come. And so, and then in turn, now we have faith in Jesus as the Messiah. So it's all the faith faith. Old Testament's faith, New Testament's faith. So, again, going back to Romans 3, Paul writing to this church in Rome that he planted and started, and he's writing back to them. This is what he had to say. He said, no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. The law is a bunch of works. That's all it is. And the law can only tell when you do wrong. Now think about it for a minute. You're driving down the road 
and you've been on Interstate 485, which is a big loop around Charlotte, and you've been doing, let's say you've been doing, say, I know the, the, the 70 miles an hour is a speed limit. I don't know many people that do 70, but 70 miles an hour is a speed limit. And you get off the interstate and you get on a road and the road has a posting of 45 miles an hour and somehow you decide, I'm going to do 70 in a 45 and you pass a highway patrolman. What does that highway patrolman do most of the time? He's going to tag you, he's going to stop you, and he's going to write you a ticket. Why? Because you broke the law. Now, did the law, did that speed limit sign say, here's how you fix this. Doug, stop going so fast. Pull your foot off the accelerator. Put your foot on the brakes. <clears throat> did the sign say any of that? Change your attitude. Did the sign say, Doug, put some margin in your life because you're, because you're always running late? <laughs> sign doesn't say anything about how to fix the problem. It just points out when I've done wrong. And that's all the law does. And if, if as a believer, we try to live the same way, we fall into the same trap. I want to continue this thought with Paul just for a few minutes. God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. Moses was the mediator. God spoke to Moses. Moses spoke to people. Now, as a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement. This was the Mosaic Covenant, a covenant between the people of God and God, and Moses mediated that agreement. But God, who is one, did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham. There was no in-between with Abraham. It was God making a promise to Abraham. Now, I don't want to spend much time here, but here's the point of that. It is a gift. The covenant up here with Moses is an agreement. If you'll do this, I'll do this. It's a covenant agreement. Abrahamic covenant was, had no mediator. It was purely based on God's gift to Abraham. It was a gift. And so therefore the covenant was, is upheld not by Abraham's work, but by Abraham's belief. Thus, for us, the gift of salvation... And being in a right position with God is not based on our works. It's not based on what we do. It is based on what God does. Because our position with God, being in right relationship with Him, is based on God, not on us. That's the wall I hit. So then he asked the obvious question, is there a conflict between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we, we could be made right with God by obeying it. This is the whole point. If the law was given to make us right with God, all we had to do was simply do the, do the law and we'd be right with God. And if, if that was the case, we wouldn't need Jesus at any moment at any time. 
because our effort would put us in relationship with God. Absolutely not. But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin, so we receive God's promise of freedom only, <clears throat> only, only by believing in Jesus Christ. From the moment of sal- the moment we accept Jesus, that has to, has to be by faith. We accept Jesus and we are set free. But here's the deal. There's this Pastor Joseph introduced the idea of this growth process. And so we didn't get into it. But, but as we grow into this working out our salvation, you could use the word. There's a Bible word called sanctification in that process. Don't get lost with the word. It simply means I am in the process of growing and being with Jesus. But that same growing and being in Jesus is based on Believing in Jesus, not based on my works. Because one day, I'm going to see Jesus face to face. I'm going to have eternal life with Him in heaven. And I'm going to be there because I believe in Jesus, not because I did a bunch of good things. Not because I believe Jesus for salvation, and then I did all these good works so that I could be in right relationship with God, and then God's going to bless me because I did all these good things doesn't work like that. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It is only by believing in Jesus Christ that we receive this promise. He goes on to say, Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. This is what the law does. It guards us. It simply points the guardrails out there and says, Don't cross these guardrails. We are kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way faith was revealed through Jesus. That's the whole purpose of the law. The law was the guardrail. When Jesus came, we don't need the guardrail anymore because we have freedom in Christ. Let me put it another way. I love it. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God. It put a hedge around us. It created a barrier around us. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. You see that? We we were made right with God through faith. Here's the deal. We are right with God today through faith faith and we will be right with God in the future we will be right with God through faith it is through faith now that the way of faith has come we no longer need the law as our guardian we don't need the law why because we have Jesus we have the Holy Spirit who lives and dwells inside of us. The moment we accept Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and is with us in what we do. And we don't need the law to put us in the right relationship with God. This is what I'm trying to say. After reading all those verses, living by faith, Living by faith is doing good things 
because I am in a right position. Twenty-two years ago, well, it's not twenty-two years ago, but when I was twenty-two, when I hit that wall, and Satan was trying to convince me that I was useless, that I was worthless that I had no self-esteem and I had no self-value and what was I worth to God because God was looking at me and going, how could you be like that? I'm going to zap you. I'm going to hurt you. Satan was saying all those things to me. And I'll never forget, I was, it was, it was, uh, I was in college and it was raining outside and I was walking around and in the rain. I had my cowboy boots. I love my cowboy boots, but let me don't get lost there. And I was walking around on the campus of my college. And I cried out that night. It probably was close to midnight. I don't know. And I cried out to God. And I said, God, what am I worth? And the thought, I did not hear God audibly, but I will tell you the thought that I heard in my head was you are worth the price that my son Jesus paid for you on a cross. Pastor Joseph talked about it last week. There is a covering, a covering, and that covering is Jesus. And in the Old Testament, that's what all the sacrifices were all about, to cover. But those sacrifices were temporary. But we have Jesus who, whose sacrifice covers us, and we are in relationship. We are in right position with God because we're living by faith, and it's not the good deeds. Listen, the motivation. I know that I'm a preacher, and I know you're sitting there, and you're going, you're supposed to act like this. But I, I, I'm, but I don't act like this because I, I'm some professionally paid religious person. I have a passion for Jesus. And it's because I'm in the right position. I, I, I was introduced to this idea when I was 22. Because I'm in the right position, I do the things I do. I do the good works. But I'm in the right position. I'm in right relationship with God. And yes, I'm going to sin. And yes, I'm going to mess up. And yes, I'm going to make mistakes. But that doesn't make me worthless, useless, and, and should never make me feel like I have no self-esteem. And it shouldn't bring that shame. Oh yeah, it should bring guilt when I do wrong. Absolutely. Conviction, it should be there. But I am a child of God by faith. And I live in that faith. I lived in that faith the moment I received Jesus. I lived in that faith as I continued in the growth process that Pastor Joseph talked about last week. And one day when I see Jesus face to face, I will see him there, not because of all these great and wonderful things I did, but because I have faith in him. That's what I'm trying to say. I do good works. Don't get me wrong. I do good works. I don't do them trying to get motivated to get into a right position with God. I do my good works. I am motivated because I am in the right position with God. I recognize that He loves me.
And out of that great love, I do what I do. Now, why do I say all this? What's the takeaway from all this? What, what is an action step actually might be the better word? What is it that I would like for you to do? I'd like for you to go back. I'd like for you to read. I know, I know. Read Romans 3 and 4. Read Galatians 3 and 4. Go read it. Go read it for yourself. That's why I gave you those notes. So you could see it. So you could get all the whole verses. to get all the context. Go back and read all that. Then. This would be our action step. Make a decision. Pastor Clay is going to call, talk about that next week, by the way. Make a decision. <clears throat> Bible word repent. Make a decision to go... I'm going to change. I'm not going to do good works to try to get in relationship with God as a believer. I'm going to do the good things that I do because I'm in this great love relationship with God. God loves me so much. And out of that love relationship, that's going to motivate me to read my Bible, to pray, to give, to serve. To help people, to be courteous, to live a distinctive life because of the love relationship. It's making a decision. I am doing these things because I'm motivated by this love relationship with God. Living by faith is doing good things because. I'm in a right position. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you that, that you love us and you care for us and you are concerned about us and we are in a growth process as believers. And we pray that you would, would, would help us to recognize your great love that we would combat the deception of Satan with your truth. And that we would be compelled and motivated to do the good things we do, not because we have to to get in the right relationship with you, but we do them because you love us. Now, Father, there may be some watching They've tried to work their way into a beginning point of salvation. And they've tried to do good things to make you happy, considering if I can do a good enough good things, then you'll be happy with them. And I pray today that they would, would pray to receive you by faith, not by works but by what Jesus did on the cross and by his resurrection. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, before you take off, I would love to hear from you. I would love for you to email me, Doug, I, D-O-U-G-I, Dougie, at nextlevelchurch.org. Here's why I say that. 
If you got some questions, I know I unpacked a whole lot of stuff and you probably got all kinds of questions. If you have questions, I'd love for you to shoot those to me. If you want to know more about accepting Jesus, I'd love for you to reach out to me. So there's my email address. Let me know. Love to hear from you. Thanks and have a great week. So in another place in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writes, for salvation is by grace through faith, not by works, lest anyone should boast. And so it is my prayer for us that the exhortation from Paul, the exhortation from God himself to have faith in Jesus would be what lives and breathes in our very soul to have faith in Jesus and to live our lives motivated by that faith. May the Lord be with you. Now, if you received any type of blessing from this, if this has been an encouragement from you, would love for you to share this. Share this uh, and, and let other people know that this has made an impact on your life. If your life has been changed, I encourage you to give. You can go to our website and uh, you can click give and you would be able to give. Why? Because I want to let you know some people have given so that you could hear this, so that you could see this, so you could be a part of this. And there are other people just like you who need to hear and see and receive. And so come and be a part of this and give. And, and, and we thank you so much for being here. Thank you and have a great day.